Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another interview for Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Sonos. Now, I've spoken about their entire range of speakers a number of times, but let me give you a bit of an insight into my weekend. My weekend involved me scrubbing, staining, and working on my back deck. And it's amazing when you're having a little working bee by yourself outside how lonely it can be without music. Fortunately, I had the Sonos Roam with me. Now, Sonos Roam, very small portable speaker, can be used on Bluetooth. On my back deck, though, still managed to reach the Wi-Fi, so I was streaming Spotify all day. And what was great about it, we had a little bit of rain, which was terrible for while I was actually sanding on wood. You don't want to get that wet, but that's what happened. However, the speaker, which did get wet, I was not concerned because it is water resistant. So I had this really nice speaker, really good sound. I think my neighbors really enjoyed the music as well. In fact, I'm certain that they loved some 70s classics, but what I do know is that that speaker kept me company through the entire weekend, and yes, it took me an entire weekend to do the back deck because I had some issues. Apparently, if you don't read the instructions on the tin around stirring the stain before you actually start applying it, yeah, apparently that makes a difference. But anyway, the point is, Sonos Roam, if you are interested in a product to take your music outside, or if, in fact, take it anywhere you go and still have incredible sound without that worry about water resistance or dust or sand or whatever it is that could get on top of this thing. Plus, the fact that I was on a ladder with a paintbrush meant that if I didn't like the song, I could just call out using the Google Assistant to change that song or to play a whole other playlist if I really wanted to. Fortunately, the neighbors didn't figure that part out, so they weren't able to call out to turn the volume down or to change the songs themselves. Now, today, we have a really exciting interview. Now, I've been a bit of a fan of virtual reality for a very long time. The reality is, though, is that I haven't used the latest and greatest VR headsets. And we decided to speak to the country manager for Australia, New Zealand and HTC Vive, uh, Thomas Dexmeyer. He is, he's been with HTC what I feel like an eternity. Back in the days when I was, you know, creating YouTube videos for my own blog, uh, I met him. And I met him at HTC smartphone launch. And he was a great guy back then when I was a little YouTuber. And he continues to be an amazing person to talk to and certainly knows his stuff. He's passionate about virtual reality. Um, he absolutely knows where it's going and he can see the technology that's taking us there. And, you know, we have a really interesting conversation around the challenges behind VR, the real world applications for it, because it's not just gaming. And that was the most important thing to have this conversation about. But ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's get straight into this interview with Thomas Dexmeyer, the country manager for HTC Vive in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, Thomas, HTC is a company that I fell in love with well over a decade ago, thanks to their smartphones. You know, they were they were well built, they had good features, um, they were realistically some of the best Android smartphones on the market. There's been quite of a shift in the business since uh, since it began in 1997, right? Yeah, 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 yes, indeed. Uh, thanks for reminding me that I've been around for more than a decade uh, with HTC, but um, it's been a, a super exciting ride and certainly a significant shift from the day I joined um, as a, you know, we were a smartphones manufacturer. Mm. Now, being one of the world's leaders in end-to-end uh, -end solutions in virtual reality is, you know, absolutely outstanding. Uh, but one thing that has not changed, and you were mentioning the, you know, the fact that you love the headset, uh, one thing that hasn't 
hasn't changed is um, our passion for brilliance in industrial design and innovation. That's that's our drive. Mm. That's that's what we love. And just just thinking about the, the the smartphone business before we move on to you know the VR here, which is the focus. But what what do you think was one of the biggest drivers to pull back a little bit from from smartphones? Because there was certainly a huge number of choices at one point. There were phones with Windows um, phone on there. Some had Android. There was quite a variety happening. Yeah, and it was, I mean, I miss these good old days where, you know, there were different options and certainly a wide variety of choices for the, for the, for the consumer and for yeah. the you know, business customer. Um, what happened is probably around the 2014, 2015 mark, um, you know, the big dogs invested heavily in our market. So, you know, namely iPhone and, and the Samsung Galaxy uh, franchise, and it kind of pushed every everyone away from the from the market so you look at all the legacy vendors today uh, lg motorola htc nokia sony i mean you name it um, mm. everybody's gone and so on, on our side because smartphones was our sole business we had to reinvent ourselves and think about what would be the next generation technology that would keep us going for an extended period of time and that would make a lot of sense based on our, you know, legacy for mobility mm-hmm. um, and heritage in mobility products. And we knew that 5G was going to be a big thing. And we thought really hard about what would be the killer application for 5G. And we thought back in the days, and we are still um, convinced that mixed reality, um, extended realities, virtual realities are going to be the next generation of solutions that do bring 5G to life. I love that a business can can have that sort of foresight and think about well what are we going to stop doing or are we going to start doing you know based on what they see coming so it's it's incredibly exciting and you know for me the VR category you know it's one that I probably first experienced with Google Cardboard you know this was you know putting my smartphone into almost a you know literally a piece of cardboard that you had to build yourself almost like origami but it was surprising how much fun it actually was even using that technology. I mean, that literally is a piece of cardboard holding your phone. Yeah. And then HTC entered the VR market in a totally different way. Nothing like Google Cardboard. Tell us a little how Vive is different to an experience that runs, say, on your smartphone. Mm. Well, it, it, it all come, comes down to the quality of your immersion in, in VR. And Whilst a cardboard solution will give you a very basic viewing with no possible interaction with your virtual world, on the opposite side of the spectrum, you have the Vive solutions that enable you to physically engage with your virtual space. You can can walk, kneel, you know, crawl, punch, grab objects, you know, whatever you like, all the way up to delivering uh, empathy with a sophisticated set of external sensors. So they're very, very different. Um, but on our side, you've got the top-end product that allows, for example, to track your eyes and your mouth, wow. uh, which will allow to convey non-verbal cues in a virtual world and bring your digital twin to life. That's phenomenal because, I mean, you know, when I was talking about that Google Cardboard experience, it was me sitting in a chair and the only experience that I could really do is look up, look down and look around a you know 360 degree world. But, you know, now we're talking about using virtual reality where effectively you are more immersed in there with to a point that you can use your hands, you could use your feet and, you know, to even what you're saying, you can even track whether you're smiling or, or not. Tell me how that technology actually works. There's obviously other components beyond the headset now. Yes. Yeah, so we've got, um, 
obviously a, a, a rig and a, and a tracking system that is much more sophisticated than anything else that you'll find in the market. Um, we started off with the external base stations. So they're, they're two little lighthouses that you put in your room that create an array of uh, infrared um, signals that will allow for your headset and your controllers and all your external sensors to be tracked in the space mm. and to replicate your movements uh, in a virtual world. Um, it was kind of tricky for the mainstream consumer to set up and it was actually requiring a little bit of um, of tech knowledge. So in 2019, we've, uh, we've actually launched a, an, another generation of uh, virtual reality headsets. They're all based on what we call PCVR. So they all rely on a, um, a like com uh, gaming level graphic, uh, graphic card, for example, to power the content, but with inside out tracking. So the headset does all the tracking. Mm -hmm. The headset can scan you know, what's around it and then reposition you in your um, virtual space. So you, your controllers, and anything else you want to attach to it. But it, it is true that you can do virtually anything in VR. You can you know, travel the world. You can meditate. You can... Uh, enjoy some fitness experiences. You can kill zombies. You can play tennis with a racket or you know cricket with a bat. You can go fishing. You can learn to train on, um, uh, sorry, to work on on train tracks. Uh, get familiar with all sorts of safety procedures in the workplace. You can do a knee reconstruction if you're a surgeon. You can put down a fire if you're a fiery. You can spot hazards in a glass factory. I mean, you name it. You can do all that stuff, but you can also create content, which is kind of unique to and very different to what you've done in your cardboard back in the days. Cardboard is your entry level to VR. You sit there and you passively consume content. Yeah. With virtual reality and advanced virtual reality setups, you can now create content. So whether it's a, an, an arts masterpiece or a 3D design of your next home, um, you can do anything in virtual reality. Wow. Okay. So we'll go, we'll go back a step to some of those use cases you were talking about, because I think when people think about VR, it, they do have either a perception of how they see VR being used. But, you know, you mentioned firefighter training, and it's something that we spoke about earlier in the week, in that it is quite immersive where a firefighter can actually pick up a hose and, and have a feeling of using it. How is, can you tell us a bit more about that? Mm. Yeah, that, that's a great example. And certainly one of my favorites. Um, and we're very proud at HTC Vive to see that our tech is being used in such a, a meaningful way, right? So VR is not just gaming in 2021. There's all these you know, crazy applications. And by training fires in VR, they can replicate even the most dangerous, unlikely scenarios with zero risk. Uh, they can repeat over and over again without burning anything. And they will be well prepared for the day that unlikely scenario or situation happens in real life. So it's, it's not just more cost effective. Uh, VR solutions do deliver full sensory experiences, which eventually will trigger your muscle memory and make you uh, better prepared for any kind of event in a way that no other medium can do today. And do you think that training is becoming one of the biggest use cases for VR? I mean, when, the more that I'm thinking about it, the more I'm sort of suggesting that you know, boy, I mean, it could be the army, it could be, you know, firefighting, police work, whatever it is, you take away this element of real life by putting it in a virtual world, and they can actually still do the same training without all the all the burden that goes around into what they would normally have to go through. Yes. And certainly training simulation, they are, you know, definitely up there uh, in terms of demand, but we're seeing solutions like spatial collaboration as well. Um, in high demand, as people start to realize that us humans 
uh, we're much more efficient when we engage and consume content in three dimensions. Uh, there's only so much that a flat solution like a Zoom or a Teams meeting can do to keep people engaged. And that's where VR collaboration solutions do take over and take it really to the to the next level. Um, other, other areas where VR is extremely popular um, in, in no specific order whatsoever, you've got uh, design and marketing, um, anything to do with therapy and rehabilitation, location-based entertainment, um, as well as learning and education. And, and we know specifically on this one, that students learn better and faster in VR as they're, they're more engaged with the content and therefore their knowledge retention is off the chart. That is interesting because actually, as you started mentioning, um, you know, healthcare and things like that, one of the experiments that we've done in the past and where I work is we wanted to see if moving somebody into a VR space where it was relaxing and mm -hmm. peaceful, whether it could help reduce people's pain if they if they suffered from from chronic pain and one of the things that we did was just had a video of a 360 degree position on the beach where you would hear the waves coming in um, there was some sort of meditation coming through on the audio sense and and it was amazing that we would sort of get people to score how they felt before they started and how they felt after the experience and and the feedback was quite phenomenal and that was this was many many years ago and again this was unfortunately still in a google cardboard experience but if we did it now the, the visuals in the headsets would be so much more advanced than we would have had it on a smartphone. Everything would have been enhanced. And in fact, they probably could have even walked down the beach if they actually wanted to. Yeah, that's, that's one of the beauties of VR, right? It, it removes all the, all the physical barriers and allow people, even with the, you know, the, the, the worst disabilities, to get access to things that they could not you know, access to in, in real life. And you're talking about the, the soothing effect of um, whilst you're being uh, receiving a, a, a treatment, for example, you're going through uh, chemo and once, once you're doing that, your brain is actually in another, in another, another space. Yeah. So the, the power of mind is actually fascinating and anything to do with, you know, th psychology and how you can, um, you can transport people to experiences that make them feel good and this is all we were talking about before, you know, with empathy and, and all these um, these feelings that only proper, advanced, three-dimensional stereoscopy content can can deliver. Yeah, exactly. And and just even thinking about the pandemic, how how did you guys see that change the way that people look at VR? Because you know, one of the areas I imagine would have been VR tourism. You know, I, I, I can't fly to Paris at the moment, but I'd love to go and, you know, tour the, the museums there, for example. Is that something that you guys started to see a bit of an up, upswing in as well? Yeah, yeah. so there, there's absolutely no doubt that what we have and are still going through with this pandemic has been a huge catalyst for VR adoption across consumer and enterprise. Um, Tourism and culture is a great example indeed, as we are seeing museums, for example, opening their doors to virtual public. And you can indeed get a free ticket to Paris now uh, and go see the Mona Lisa in the Louvre uh, in, in the comfort of your own home. So um, that's a great example for how uh, consumers and, and general public would benefit from VR experiences that go beyond your traditional gaming. But companies we see are now at a point where VR is no longer just a proof of concept, yeah. but a real solution that, uh, you know, um, to, their, to their most complex challenges. It's, it's, it, it is becoming a core pillar of their di digital transformation and solutions like what we've announced this week, 
um, are going to accelerate the execution of their VR plans and uh, deployment at scale. So yeah, pandemic, whilst uh, it's done a lot of very bad things, um, there has been some benefit in anyone working in immersive tech uh, because it seems to be a, the adequate solution for most of the challenges that we're going through at the moment. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And, and also thinking about that immersive technology, we're seeing gaming, obviously, one of the huge applications for VR. Mm. And as the technology continues to evolve, and, and in a second, we're going to talk about your new headsets that you've announced as well. How real is too real when it comes to gaming? I mean, when you're looking at a computer screen, you still have that disconnection from the game. But when you're in the game and everywhere you look is part of it, have, have, have they had any use cases where people are just saying, this is too much, this is too scary, or, or it's too much fun? I mean, I'm picturing a roller coaster or even one of those more shoot 'em up style games. How real is too real? Yeah, I, I must say these um, FPS game, the front, uh, first person shooters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're getting absolutely unreal. But I think the question is, it, is it actually ever too real for gamers? Um, we, we're constantly pushing the boundaries of what's possible in VR, as you know, and the, mm. the, um, the leap forward since we launched the original Vive in 2015 to where we are now in 2021 with the Vive Pro 2, for example, which is the latest um, uh, hardcore gaming addition to our range, we were taking the visual experience to a whole new level of high fidelity. And um, it's, it's great because we're now at a point where the best hardware meets the most advanced AAA content or even um, sim or flight, simula- uh, flight racing, um, which obviously the, the community is going to be extremely happy with. No, agreed, agreed. And, and, and you did give us a quick um, introduction to the new headsets that you've announced. Tell us a little bit more about them. I mean, you and I managed to talk for over an hour about them earlier in the week. Yes. Um, is there a way to actually drum that down into, into a shorter a shorter spiel? Because it's, it is really exciting. I've tried and um, I've managed to you know, uh, get it down to half an hour, but let's do it <laughs> short, short and sweet now. So we've, we've announced uh, the Vive Pro 2, which is effectively becoming the absolute best PC VR gaming and professional VR headset in Australia and New Zealand mm-hmm. uh, with an incredible display that couples a 5K resolution with an unreal 120 hertz refresh rate in a very classic style of our uh, award-winning pro series that you know people love and we are continuing the story of the of the pro franchise that's the first one the second mm-hmm. one we've we've also announced the most sophisticated standalone so all-in-one uh, headset for enterprise use in the vive focus uh, 3 so more more than and I'd like to say that because it's so true, but more than delivering the most outstanding specs you've ever seen on, a, on an autonomous VR headset, um, Focus 3 supports our brand new end-to-end enterprise platform that will allow uh, IT managers like yourself to onboard and manage a large fleet of devices whilst maintaining very high standards of security and privacy. And that was, that was critical for us to be able to deliver that end-to-end platform and um, so people don't see specifically in the in the workplace uh, vr as a as a fragmented ecosystem you can now have the best of everything from the hardware you pick all the way through the um, enterprise grade support you're getting from our teams when you onboard a um, vive solution for your business uh, business needs and, and the Focus 3 is one that I'm particularly excited about because, as you say, it's, it's completely autonomous. You don't need a computer connected to it. There is no you know, cables or anything like that. And you've even thought quite a bit around its design by having the battery 
around the back so that you're having a, a pretty even weight distribution as well. There's, there's quite a lot of thought that's gone into that one. Yes, and, and this is what we've done uh, well and one of the reasons why you know, I'm absolutely passionate about what we do at HTC Vive and, and why we do things. Um, this one obviously comes uh, to market after a good couple of years worth of listening to our uh, clients out there using the standalone headsets uh, in the US, uh, Europe, APAC, I mean, everywhere across the globe and looking at what would be the top challenges that they're all facing in the in the enterprise world mm. by using a headset that up until now was not specifically designed for enterprise. Um, so we've sat down, we've looked at all the ticket items that we needed to tick. Um, and that's how we came up with the Focus 3. There's a lot of um, uh, thought and planning that has gone into this headset and the response from the market since we announced a couple of days ago has been absolutely phenomenal. So we can't wait to have it um, on the shelf uh, starting at the at the end of June, uh, which is going to be, what, six six weeks away? I know, it's coming up very quickly, yeah, actually. It's very quite quick. scary. Yes. And, 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 just, and, and, and sorry, one point, we've, one point that we thought was absolutely critical as well, back to the what we were talking about before with regards to COVID, um, a product that is going to be shared amongst different users has to be easy to clean and hygiene was always going to be a big thing for us. Mm. So um, yeah, we've got a lot, lots of very cool little smarts on the product that make it something that is extremely easy to clean and that will give people that peace of mind that they need when they enter the VR solution. They know that the headset is clean um, and there's, uh, it's a risk-free experience and they can enjoy it uh, to its, to its full, full potential without any you know, afterthought or anything. I think that is a really important factor as well, especially when you think about environments where headsets are shared, which is quite mm. common in the workplace or if it's used for marketing or even training, as we spoke about earlier. Yep. The, um, the other part I wanted to ask about is that for me, when I've used VR headsets, um, usually there are people with me and I put the headset on, I put the headphones on and I find myself pretty isolated in that I'm in, I'm in an experience, but I have no perception of what's actually happening around me. Uh, yeah. that those who are still physically there in the room have no idea. And, and as a result, I've always sort of lent towards augmented reality experiences where possible, because it is something that can be shared and experienced with multiple people. But, you know, as we were talking about earlier, where you say that if we're all wearing headsets, we can all be in a virtual world together. Was that something that was perhaps built or designed because of that isolating experience that you could normally have in VR? That's a, that's a very interesting point because we're seeing more and more um, VR experiences that involve multi-user. So it's not just going to be a solitary experience for you to go in and enjoy uh, by yourself. Uh, you'll be able to start sharing uh, much more in virtual reality. So whether it's a, it's a fun experience, whether it's a business meeting, um, we see more and more uh, people coming together in the virtual space. Uh, Im immersion is actually something that we're all uh, looking for and we're looking at delivering the best, uh, delivering it in the best possible way. And sound is, is a big factor to it. Mm. Um, and whilst gamers want to be completely immersed in their audio, uh, the new Focus 3, for example, has uh, what we call open back speakers. So they, they deliver outstanding sounds, but also 
allow the user to maintain a level of uh, environmental awareness. Because we know uh, we will see more and more of these people using their headsets for training purposes, for example, outside of the office. So it's critical for us uh, to, to deliver such an advanced uh, audio setup. Now, to your point about AR and VR, um, they actually present very different use cases and they yeah. solve you know, different uh, problems. Um, VR, as you know, it's 100% digital, whereas AR, so augmented reality, is mostly reality, as in, you know, your real life, with a, a, a layer, not too much, but just a layer of digital information. Right. And in the, in the workplace, for example, it's unlikely to be either or. Um, they will both coexist and deliver a variety of experiences throughout what we call the virtuality continuum. It's a really good point, actually, and, and it's true. When you do think about the use cases that we have seen where AR has been quite successful, isn't something that you would normally want to replicate in VR. It is, it is usually one or both um, in, in terms of what you were going to do with something. And, and it brings me to my, probably my last question around, around Vive, and, and we'll, we'll talk about yourself in a second, actually. But if there is one thing that you wish you could never need to explain again, Especially, especially for someone who, uh, who who does talk about VR quite a bit, what would it be? Uh, it's, it's, it's a really hard one because I actually love to explain the most complex things in the simplest possible way. <laughs> and, and honestly, VR, uh, you know, we're still in the early days of VR when whilst it's been around for, you know, five, six years and, you know, people would argue that it's been there for a much longer period of time. Mm. Um, it's still a market that requires significant education uh, and that, that's what I'm here for. Now, one thing that I'd like for people to realize um, is that one size fits all is not a, a rule that applies to the virtual reality market. There's different types of headsets, different sorts of platforms. You've got PC VR, got standalone VR. You've got uh, headsets designed for consumers. You've got headsets designed for enterprise. And, and there's no one size fits all. And that's what I'd like people, you know, regardless of if you're a, a pro gamer or if you're running a, a fleet of, you know, thousands of headsets in the corporate space, really understanding that, all, not all headsets and solutions are born equal mm. and make sure that you're asking yourselves and um, the people that you work with or that you like to engage with uh, the right questions in um, the way you're going to be selecting your, your platform. It's a, really, it's a really important one because I think it's easy to go down to an office works and spend 20 bucks on a headset mm. you can stick your phone into. Yeah. But then when you do get the chance to actually try something like Vive and really immerse yourself into a headset like those, I think it's going to be completely game-changing for people's perceptions of what um, VR can actually do. And yeah, for me, I'm, I'm terribly excited to get my hands on the on the Focus 3 because I love awesome. the fact that it's wireless. So Yes. Amazing. It's, it, it's wireless. And if you, if you need to, you can always connect it with uh, a special cable to a VR-ready workstation or laptop. So you can still get access to a level of uh, PC VR mm. if you need it. So if you need a little bit more grants for you know, some 3D design reviews, or if you need to get access to some of the Steam, Steam so you know, slightly more consumery content um, library, uh, you can always do it. So yeah, Focus 3 is, is going to be a winner for sure. Oh, giddy up. Now, Thomas, the uh, the rest of the questions here are more about yourself. We've spoken about right. VR, we've spoken about Vive. I want to know a bit more about you. These are pretty easy questions. Um, we ask everybody who comes on the show and there's no wrong answers. So uh, it's mm -hmm. usually short and sharp, but we'll see how we go. Uh, Thomas, what would be your favorite app to keep you organized? Uh, I would say OneDrive. 
Um, the reason why OneDrive is because it allows me to have all my contents uh, secured and accessible across all my devices, including my VR headset when I'm in a VR meeting, which is fantastic. I can just, you know, pull some, you know, um, PowerPoints or, or, or PDFs uh, within the uh, virtual reality world, which is fantastic. So That's yeah, one, really OneDrive. Cool. Yeah. That is really cool, actually. Even just that use case, I'm imagining that going, wow, I want to do that one day. Mm. Uh, what would be your favorite social media app? Right now, it's LinkedIn. It has to be LinkedIn. Uh, it's a good mix of tech news and thought leadership. And yeah, that's what I like to consume and produce at the moment. Yeah, I'm hearing that more and more, actually, too. And uh, when you do get five minutes to spare between meetings, um, what's the first thing that you want to do on your phone? <laughs> Uh, what am I doing? I will probably check the notification bar to see what's going on on all fronts, mm -hmm. uh, personal work, news, and see how much I've missed out. <laughs> and um, do you wear a smartwatch or a traditional timepiece? Well, at the moment, I'm not wearing anything, but I'm more traditional. Uh, I think I'm already way too connected. So, uh, I'm, yeah, smartwatch, I don't think is, is for me. It's a good point, actually. I mean, in your field of work, when you finish the day, that's probably the last thing you want to do is actually look at your wrist and see another piece of technology. <laughs> and look, when we used to jump on airplanes and, um, you know, travel around the world, mm. did you use the in-flight entertainment system or would you bring your own device? Uh, none, actually. I think my setup is more noise-canceling headphones and Spotify and just let my mind wander, even if it's a short flight or a long haul. Um, yeah, I take it as a as a reason to disconnect and get get my eyes away from any type of screen. Just on that too, actually, on the on the whole flight thing. Mm. Once upon a time, I don't remember who it was, but they did an experiment where they were providing VR headsets to people in flight. Yes, is, is that something that's a good idea or a really dangerous idea? I think it's a good idea when the content is right. Um, yep. And when the tech is right, we're, we're at a point where the quality of the tech that we produce is such that uh, things like motion sickness and, you know, nausea, uh, conditions that people re would report after a short uh, VR sessions when they're using the wrong hardware, mm. it's the last thing you want to deliver on an aeroplane, yeah? Um, mm. So if you've got the right hardware, if you've got good quality content, obviously you don't spend, you know, two, 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 two or three hours consuming content, but why not? I mean, if it's a meditation space, I, I could actually see myself do it. I, I don't do it because I'd still look very odd, but uh, yeah, yeah give, give it another year or two and you'd, you'd start seeing people do that for sure. It could happen. I'm excited to see the first person who sits next to me and is, I'm mm. so bad at conversation that they put a VR headset. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Thomas, what do you love to do to disconnect? How do you get away from technology? don't think I actually ever get away from technology, but when I've got a split second to do it, I like to go in the garden and just, you know, uh, do a bit of gardening, get my, my hands dirty and uh, enjoy a little bit of uh, greenery. Yeah, nice, nice. And look, th this show is called Technology Uncorked and mm. we have our interview episodes, but we also have a, an episode where we talk about news and reviews of the week. And I usually, yep. usually do that over a glass of wine and, you know, you and I are talking over Zoom today. If we were in person and we had the opportunity, what would be your go-to? It's getting colder. So I would go to a red and probably back to my roots in France in the Rhone Valley uh, for mm. a very nice Saint-Joseph. 
Interesting. Interesting. I'm going to go and Google that one after this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Something for next time when we're actually in person then, Ab- Thomas. Ab- absolutely. Thanks so much for joining the show. Pleasure. Mate. No worries. Thanks, Jeff.